I quit my job without a plan within two years. I was back in the workforce and bankrupt <laughs> before starting this business that I have the pleasure, privilege, and honor to run today. Um, and all of the bumps and bruises along the way have made me better, made me stronger, allowed me to become relatable to the people that I have the pleasure of working with. And I'm also a testament that if you don't give up on you and you keep showing up for you, you will get to where it is that you desire to be today. You know, I am just about everything that I've said I wanted to experience in my life. I've actually experienced. I've written books. I've been, a, you know, I've been a bestseller. I've traveled the world. I run an award-winning multi-million dollar company. I'm married to the love of my life. Mm-hmm. I live in my dream home or my then dream home because now I've got a new dream. I, mm-hmm. you know, all the things materialistically mission driven wise, I've gotten to experience them. And it's all because I made a decision very young that I'm a belief barrier breaker. And so to be mm-hmm. Darnielle Antoinette is to break beliefs and to open up a new paradigm of what's possible for other people. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah, discover my gift. Yeah, yeah, discover my gift. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I am so delighted, honored, and excited to have today's special guest on the show, Dr. Darnielle Jervy Harmon. Welcome to the show, Dr. Darnielle. Hey, 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 David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. We're excited to have you. I'm going to just read a little bit about Dr. Darnielle's bio and give y'all an insight. And then I'm going to give my personal twist on my relationship with Dr. Danielle. So Dr. Danielle Jervy Harmon is the CEO of Incredible One Enterprises, LLC, a multi-million dollar coaching and consulting brand best known for transforming the lives of her business coaching clients. Danielle equips her clients to leverage and scale businesses that serve them financially and spiritually from mindset to messaging and marketing, sales, systems, and scale. Darnielle can take you from six figures to seven figures in a record time, all while deepening your connection to God and strengthening your faith. Darnielle is an award-winning CEO, speaker, consultant, and strategist whose work has been featured in Essence, Success, Black Enterprise, and O Magazines. She's a best-selling author with seven books to her credit, including her latest projects, Burn the Box, Seven Fire Starter Strategies Leaders Can Leverage, and Market Like a Rockstar. In 2012... She was named the Coach of the Year by Stiletto Women Media, and in 2013, she was recognized as a small business champion by Small Business Trends in 2018. She was awarded the Women President's Organization Women of Color Excellence Award, and she joined the $1 million class of Enterprising Women of the Year. In 2019, Darnielle was named the Black CEO of the Year and was a finalist for the E-Women Network, made it, made it to a, a million award. In 2021, Darnielle was awarded two honorary PhDs in entrepreneurship. Not just one, but two. Darnielle is, has a Bachelor of Arts degree from University of Delaware, a Master's of Business Administration from Goldie Beacom College, a Colby Specialist Certification from the Colby Corporation, an Executive Coaching Certification from the Center of Executive Coaching, and a Prophetic Anointing from God. Wow, that is amazing. What a, what, what a background. So that's Darnielle's official bio, but let me tell you all about Darnielle from my personal experience. Uh, met Darnielle, I want to say 2018, 2019, somewhere about, and uh, just blown away by her just wisdom and marketing and prowess in all these areas. Uh, we were at a conference by our mutual friend and brother, Dr. Della Toro McNeil. And um, I got to witness her genius in person and just see the way she orchestrated um, in, in presentation, but also how she also orchestrated things behind the scene for uh, Del, Del Toro's event. 
I was blown away um, personally and have been an admirer and a follower ever since. And uh, most recently, my wife and I had the opportunity to attend her conference, Move to Millions, <clears throat> which was hosted in Delaware. And uh, we, my wife, I'd asked my wife what, what she wants to do for uh, our 10 year anniversary, uh, a wedding anniversary. And she said, I want to go to Move to Millions with Darnie, Dr. Darnielle Jervy. That's, that's what I want us to do. We were supposed to go to Paris or Italy, uh, Italy and something like that. And she said, no, this is what I want to do. So we went to the conference and blown away the conference, excellent conference. And I had asked Dr. Danielle to give me an opportunity to possibly just just share this moment with uh, her and her audience and, uh, uh, of course, my wife um, in presenting to her upgraded ring. And Danielle gave me that 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 blessing. And it was a moment. It was just one of those unforgettable moments. So I just want to publicly thank you again for that um, and just making one of one of the most special moments as a couple and uh this year is just it was just mind-blowing but even even besides that the conference was was spectacular i learned so much i'm work i'm still implementing things that i learned so i know i gave you a mouthful there but again just want to say thank you so much dr danielle and welcome yeah. to the show i thank you thank you so much as well david like i'm blown away by you and Every time I hear you talk about Abigail saying, I want to go to Darnielle's conference for my 10th wedding anniversary instead of Paris, I'm like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love the work that you do and the, the people that you help. And um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Danielle, I want to just start with the Genesis. I got I got to I got to learn more about you in attending. You, you were transparent and shared a lot of different um, stories about your life and the transition points. So what I'd love to do is kind of just take me through the journey a little bit from growing up in the household you grew up in to, you know, all the way to where you are today. I know that's a lot, but just kind of take walk people through the journey, right? Because there's so much into your story. Yeah, I, you know, I, I will start by saying I think that my parents did the best that they could with what they had. I'm also very clear, you know, today, a 40 plus year old woman, that their best was not always the best. But I'm grateful for the parents that I was born into and the life experience that I got to have. And so my parents were addicts. So very um, young into my experience, I was met with drug abuse and drug addiction and all of those types of things. And I decided very young as a child that I wasn't going to be a product of the environment that I came from. And so I made some decisions to focus on education in lieu of what I was watching every single day. My mom at, ended up going to jail during my eighth birthday and we went to live with my father and my stepmother full time. And it was really there through being with my dad who was a very functional but full-time addict um, that I got to decide. And so I decided, right? And I decided that I was not going to be poverty stricken. I decided that I was not going to be pregnant in the projects or any of the things that could have happened. And I watched happen to many people that I grew up around. I decided that I was going to be a planet shaker before I was calling it that. So I, you know, mm. the first of my brothers and sisters to graduate from high school, go on to college. I also have an MBA that I earned my honorary doctorates. I mean, I guess I technically earned them, but you know, I didn't, I didn't go to school to become uh, a doctor. These were awards that I won. Um, and, and the whole, the whole undercurrent of my life, David is really, I consider myself to be a belief barrier breaker. Every mm. chance I have an opportunity to break a belief that has either been spoken over me by my family, my ancestors, or break a belief that was bred into me because when you're a child the things that you come to think and reason and rational around they're not your own thoughts they're mm. the thoughts of your loved ones that have been bred into you and so I just decided very early on that I would be a belief barrier breaker and that I wouldn't I would not allow anyone else to define me except for the God that created me and gave me as this gift to the planet and so um, 
you know, today I'm fast forwarding through a lot. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of struggle in there, personal struggle, professional struggle. Um, I started working in corporate America. I quit my job. I literally woke up one day and was like, I'm not supposed to sit behind someone else's desk. I quit my job without a plan within two years. I was back in the workforce and bankrupt <laughs> mm-hmm. before starting this business that I have the pleasure, privilege, and honor to run today. Um, and all of the bumps and bruises along the way have made me better, made me stronger, allowed me to become relatable to the people that I have the pleasure of working with. And mm-hmm. I'm also a testament that if you don't give up on you and you keep showing up for you, you will get to where it is that you desire to be today. You know, I am just about everything that I've said I wanted to experience in my life. I've actually experienced. I've written books. I've been, you know, I've been a bestseller. I've traveled the world. I run an award-winning multi-million dollar company. I'm married to the love of my life. Mm. I live in my dream home or my then dream home because now I've got a new dream. I, Mm. you know, all the things materialistically mission driven wise, I've gotten to experience them. And it's all because I made a decision very young that I'm a belief barrier breaker. And so to be Darnielle Antoinette is to break beliefs and to open up a new paradigm of what's possible for other people. Wow. Amazing. And that's just the introduction. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. So, so, so Danielle, you take, take me through, cause I see, you know, obviously from getting the witness and seeing you in many elements, I have a, a thought in mind of what I think your gifts are personally, but mm-hmm. what, when I want, I want you to look at this in two ways. When you were younger, what did you think your gift was? And, and when you when you've come into full full spectrum of who you are, um, what do you feel your gift is now? And then I'll get to the next question after that. But those two. Yeah. On. So believe it or not, it's been really consistent. Um, I always tell the story of my fifth grade teacher, Miss Dixon, who gave me, who taught me, who released to me my purpose. She helped me to find it. And and so my biggest gift is the use of words. Um, I am, I'm amazing with words. The words that I use, they heal, they Mm. transform, um, and they shift trajectories. And so that's probably my biggest gift. I happen to have, uh, my undergraduate degree is in English. I decided to study words because I believe that I was created to use words to change the lives of other people. Um, I love, you know, I love to write. I love to speak. I do all of the things because of the words that I pull together. And I'm equally as amazing at helping my clients come up with the words that are going to get their prospective clients to take the actions to convert, to enroll in their program. So I would say that that is probably my biggest gift, mm-hmm. but I am multi-gifted. Um, I I don't have a lot of like in, in the realm of entrepreneurship, I don't have a lot of formal training. Uh, you know, I never went through a a course to teach me how to be a speaker. It's just what I do. I just get up and I know how to position myself and what to say. That's what God kind of downloads to me in that moment. Um, I'm really great at strategy and mm-hmm. and thinking methodically in a way to get people to a specific result. I have a lot of big picture visionary energy and I hold the space of the confidence for people who can't hold the space for themselves. All of those are gifts. And mm. so I've wa- just watched myself continue to lean into and further exploit those gifts. If you were to talk to my clients, they would tell you, and they have. I've actually had people call me the goat, and I've also had people say that I'm the trifecta, right? Mm. That I, I have this natural gifting for business. I have this natural gifting for sales and I have this natural gifting for edification. And so Mm -hmm. I really leverage all of that in the work that I do. And when I look back over my life from, you know, age 10 in Miss Dixon's fifth grade class, all the way up to today, I've seen the gift of, of words, the gift of edification, the gifts of business and strategy, just constantly um, replicating and showing up in, in various facets and capacities throughout my life. Even when I was in corporate America, I, I um, progressed really quickly. I went from a 217 entry level customer service representative to vice president inside of three years because of strategy, because of my ability to use words to get people to change their life. Like all of those things just constantly playing over and over and over in my, inside of my life experience. 
That's beautiful. Could you give us some examples, right? Like when you were like when you were in the, like after Miss Dixon's class and like like some clear examples that stick out to you when you were leveraging your gift as a, at a young age. And then also maybe some some examples where you've utilized your word power of words and power of strategy to help some of your clients. Sure. Um, that's a great question. Um, I wrote my first book when I was 12. I didn't publish it. I actually still have the the pages that are all yellow around the edges anymore. But um, I, you know, I remember going into the ninth grade and my teacher in the ninth grade was Miss McFan and she was a published author. That was the coolest thing in the world to me. I was 10 when I said I wanted to use words to change the lives of other people, but I didn't really know what it meant and I didn't have a container for it. So then I met Miss McFan and I decided right away that I was going to be a writer and I was going to write at that time, it was the great American novel, right? The Some of the books that I read when I was in high school, I was going to write a book like that. And I, I wrote a book, which um, I, if I do say so myself, it was pretty powerful and amazing. I only didn't publish the book because as I began to grow, the stories that I told in it were not really stories that were resonant with me at that point in time. And so I made the decision not to publish it when I became of age when I could have done so. Um That's probably the earliest memory of using those words. In addition to that, from the time of being, you know, 12, 13 years old at and starting in the church, getting on the microphone and reading the announcements or, you know, going into student government and not just making promises for the empty fill for of politics, but actually wanting to make people's lives differently. I can remember um, friend after friend after friend coming to me for advice because I was an edifier. I wasn't a person who wanted to tear you down or bring back to your remembrance the things that you had done that you had done wrong. I instead wanted to create an environment for you to look at things differently. And, you know, into college and joining a sorority and becoming in leadership inside of that sorority and just time after time after time watching me make decisions to use words that would be edifying to other people but would also position me for the next opportunity wow beautiful 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 so so i would ask this think about your your journey right there's you had a process where you it sounds like had some outside help from from teachers and things to help kind of like point it to you what would you say to this young person let's let's just say she's a young lady that has maybe the same similar gifts she has the gift with words she has these certain gifts in her um what would you say to speak to a young danielle-esque uh lady to get to the they could really hone in on their gift and and to really master their gift what would you say to them yeah i think that the well the first thing that i would say for a danielle-esque person is girl you are beautiful you are already validated and you don't need anyone else to give you permission to shine like the star that you were created to be. Um, in addition to that, I would say always believe in yourself and um, do your best to not seek validation from anyone else. Like that's probably the biggest thing that I would say, especially when it comes to having a gift with words, communication and style, because often people, I can remember being young and being, chastised because that was my gift because other people want the gift and they don't have it and so they want to belittle and try to make you feel bad like there's something wrong with you as a result of that and so that's why that self-edification is so important in addition to that I would say the best way to hone it is to use it consistently I remember when I was in high school um, and I was an angry child you know like I said a moment ago my mom went to jail when I was very young And I thought that it was my right to um, be disrespectful of myself and the other people. I I used to cuss. Like, it's so funny because now even when a cuss word wants to come across my lips, like, I'm like, oh, that doesn't even feel good. But I used to cuss like a sailor. You might not be able to believe that today. And it was because I was being rebellious and Mm -hmm. I knew how to communicate. I think I think people cuss when they cannot find the words to use to have the impact that they want to have. But when you have a way with words, you can always find the words. Mm -hmm. And so I would cuss out of laziness. And so I remember when I got my job in corporate America, I couldn't just walk around through the halls, 
you know, dropping F-bombs. And, and I had to use other words. And it was then that I realized that I had a choice and I could decide. And I decided to use my words and to hone my ability to use the words that would first and foremost edify myself, but would allow me to add value instead of tearing down and detracting. I never felt good about myself when I was cussing like a sailor. Mm. I did it to try to fit in because I was tired of being ostracized because people looked at me like I was different and therefore something was wrong with me or I thought I was better just because I was very expressive and I knew how to use words to get people to change their temperaments and make mm. different decisions and show up differently. And it is such a powerful gift. And so the way to hone it is to use it every single day. Yeah. Write down, like write to yourself. I used to write a letter to myself every single day um, speaking over myself what the day was going to be. I believe in commanding your day, being very intentional, right? I would write letters to other people, like hone it, hone it um, by using it on a consistent basis. When you're given an opportunity to speak, say something that is going to add value to someone else. Wow. That's what I would, I would tell you to do because I think that the words that we speak, they really do have the power to let live or die ourselves other people um and it is such a tremendous gift to be able to string words together to get people to look at themselves differently and yeah. i now know today that i can cuss someone out without using the explicative words because <laughs> i have full command of my gift to leverage the power of words to change someone else's life oh that's beautifully stated so so danielle i know faith in and and your relationship with god is is evident in everything you do and and I'm curious to know, and I'm sure the, the listeners are too, just how that played a role in your development process. And how did you go from being this angry kid at the time to this um, devoutly dedicated woman of God and business mogul? Like, how did you what was your development process spiritually and how did that come about? Yeah, you know, in the early years, I didn't have my own relationship with God. I was riding the coattails of my, you know, my family. And that did not serve me very well um, because I didn't know God for myself. I was only taking someone else's interpretation of who he was. I had something happen to me in my early 20s that really caused the bottom to fall out of my life. And as a result of that, I went exploring. I went looking for answers. I was very clear that God was not the culprit or the reason why I experienced the tragedy that I did. Um, and as a result of that, I decided to get to know him for myself. I, I say today um, that I subscribe to the doctrines of Christianity. And what I mean by that is I do believe in Jesus. Um, I do believe that he came and died and, um, and for my sins. However, I am not religious and I am not, nor will I ever again be bound by what man has to say about who God is because I know him for myself. And so because I know God for myself um, and, and not just through the reading of the Bible, because even the Bible is a book of contradictions, but understanding and rightly dividing what it is that I'm reading and how to apply that to my life and how to experience the fullness that is God. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who I think they either serve the God of the Old Testament or they serve the God of the New Testament without a filter of understanding why the two are different, <laughs> um, especially when they're operating within the parameters of religion. Um, and so personally, I just decided to meet God for myself and I'm not allow any. I don't think any person, any human has a heaven or a hell to put me in. And so I decided that I would live in the fullness and the abundance of God and not in the limit or lack of God that is fear-based to create an environment for me to not be able to experience all that God created for me to be and experience based on this abundant universe that he created. Um, and it has served me very, very well. I also don't um, expect for anyone else to or 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 I don't try to put my views on anyone else because I think that relationship is individual 
right? Everybody needs to decide for themselves. But I walk in confidence and in boldness for what it is that I know to be true and what I've decided for my life. And from that place, I give other people permission to meet God for themselves and decide how they want to live and experience this life that we all only get one of. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think it has really served me well. Um, and the, and the best thing that I could say to somebody is meet them for yourself. The Bible says in mm -hmm. Romans, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Mm -hmm. And I recommend that you become fully persuaded to whatever you believe in your own mind. You know, there are people who are, um, as you, you said, devout, religious all of that and they are sticking to it it is their story and they're sticking to it and that's perfectly fine if that works for you but mm -hmm. i think that for me um my my spirituality was to realize that god made me a little lower than the angels that i was created in his image and likeness and that i was given dominion and that therefore some of the things that bind religious people will not bind me because I know who I am and I know who God says that I am. And I only know that because I sought the word for myself and yeah. didn't go to just the scriptures that were, you know, spoken over me inside of a church. I didn't take anyone else's definition. I decided mm -hmm. to read the word, dissect not just the Bible, but the the Torah, the um the Quran, the Torah, all mm -hmm. of the religious texts. I have read them all in mm -hmm. in search of the fullness of God and it serves me really really well to have that viewpoint. It also allows me to be um, accepting and not judgmental of anybody else in their beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, I think gotcha. it's a personal thing, a personal walk. And yeah. I invite everyone to go on that journey for themselves. Respect, respect. So speaking of faith, right, and, and the process of development, there's a Bible verse that talks about faith without works is dead right and and i and i know that you've worked hard to get to where you are today could you speak about you know we, we the process of what it took to development wise to develop into the person you have become and that journey you know in, in that transition from corporate into building this um uh, six figure and then seven figure and then multi seven figure business. Like what was, what was the faith in the work that you had to put in to make this happen? Because I, I think a lot of times people glamorize entrepreneurship, but they don't realize there's a lot of root work, a lot of foundational stuff that had to be done to get, to make that happen. Yeah. I think that the, the faith in the work is the same. And here's what I mean by that. The, the work that you most need to do is not, the strategy it's not the marketing and the sales the work that you most need to do is believing in yourself that it is possible that you really can do all things through christ if you happen to subscribe to the doctrines or be a christian right um actually believing that believing that in spite of all of the people who want to tell you that that isn't the truth because they're you know because tr trauma is multi-generational trauma mm. is passed down and based on what i've been through that's going to flower your experience with me and if you don't have a um a foundation for yourself then you're going to succumb to that so for me a lot of the faith was taking god at his word i, lo I love to point to the book of ephesians yeah. and realizing that i am an overcomer and a rede and i'm redeemed and all of those things and actually believing that the 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 thoughts that enter my mind have entered my mind because I am fully capable and qualified to fulfill them. Mm. So that's the first part of it. That's the faith. Knowing that I know that I know, like I know my name, that if yeah. I decide to do something, it will prosper. It will produce. Mm. The works is to actually take the steps. Yeah. It's not enough to think it and and to, to feel it and believe it and even speak it over yourself. You're going to have to get into action. That's what I believe james meant when he says faith without works is dead i like to say we got to give god something to bless like i can all day long i can sit here and i can i can recite out loud that i am a billionaire that i am a president whatever whatever the thing is i can say that over myself every single day but if i don't actually take an action that moves me closer to the fulfillment of the words that i speak over myself they're just words mm -hmm. and and faith if you ask me is an action word Mm. Faith is a verb. It is not a noun. It is something that is living and breathing and moving. It is action oriented. It is, it is because of our faith that we do the things that we do. Just like mm. when I go to sit down in this chair, 
-hmm. I take the action to move into the chair in faith that it will hold me. That's now, right. is it possible that overnight someone could have come and unscrewed all of the, the screws so that when I go to sit down, it will fall? It's not possible, but it is. But it could have happened. Just like if I go out to my car and I hit the button to start it, I have faith that it's going to start so I can go to my destination. We have to have the same level of faith that we have in things, in ourselves, in our ability to fulfill the preordained mandate on our life. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. The knowing process is about your approval and your validation. It's why you don't need to seek validation from anyone else because God knew you and he approved you and yeah. he called you prophet. He gave you a message to share with the nations. Yeah. It's faith to, to believe that of yourself. But it is only through the action of exercising that faith and moving into actually speaking the prophetic word that has been given to you to other people that you will realize what it is in the world. And so for me, they go hand in hand. You mm -hmm. cannot have works without having faith. You cannot um, see faith manifested without having works. It's just they, they're, um, they're both action. They require movement in order for you to, to live into them. And so when I think about, you know, my own, my, my own life experience and what I have seen and done, I've always been moving in the faith. Mm -hmm. I think to open your eyes in the morning and to proceed out of bed is an act of faith. Mm -hmm. Because anything can happen, it's right? True. Anything can happen, right? The surefire way to make sure nothing changes is to stay the same. Mm. But to decide to live is faith. And so when you look at faith from that that vantage point, hopefully it changes for you um, how you perceive it and in that perception of it, how you actually live it out loud. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's <laughs> a great question. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm blessed by this. This is going to be an episode listeners need to go and listen to over and over again. There's so many gems that were dropped here. Um, so, so Danielle, take me through this then, because I'm sure people are wondering like, okay, Danielle, I, I have a, a gift. I, I went through uh, my whole experience in corporate America. I quit my job. How do you make that transition from uh, a good paying job or that, like you talked about, you know, the only, if you don't change, then you're going to stay, remain the same. Like, how do you make this strategic change to go from this vision you have to be successful, to make make six, seven figures in, in, in your own business? How do you make that transition? And how did you make that transition? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the decision first. First, you decide, yeah. right? I decided that there had to be more to life than sitting behind someone else's desk. And then I had to take an action. I had to go out in pursuit of the decision to see if I was right. And I was willing to be wrong, David. I, I told myself then if it didn't work, I would go back to work and get a job. Like I knew I would be able to get a job, but I wouldn't know if I had what it took to be an entrepreneur unless I stepped out on faith. Hmm. And, um, and so I did it. And you put one foot in front of the other. Rumi says the path emerges as you walk it. So I walked. I took the next step. I operated in action. Like I just did the next thing that I know to do. And sometimes the next thing was right. Sometimes it was way wrong. And when it was way wrong, it set me down a path where I ended up filing bankruptcy and having to go back to work. But the resolve and the decision to be an entrepreneur and to be successful was not, it wasn't limited. It, it didn't change because I had a, a misstep. It, it actually became more important to me to achieve it because I miscalculated the route to actually get there. But you keep getting back up. Failure mm. is not final. It's feedback. Yeah. And That's so right. I gave myself permission to make mistakes, to fail, and in the failing, look for the success clues that would prevent me from being able to do it again. And eventually I got to the point where those success clues lined up into a, me a me methodology that I could utilize and I could replicate first for myself and then for my clients. And so now I can prevent my clients from making some of the mistakes that I made because I have a framework from which I can help them to get to wherever their next level is. But that only comes through doing. Otherwise, it's just theory. Mm. That's real. That's real. Yeah. So, so can you walk us through, right? Because I've seen your model that breaks down um, the different 
phases that an entrepreneur goes through. Let's just say the person is has left their corporate job. They're they're they they're they they're at the six figure mark. Yay, they, they made it to that mark. And now it's kinda like, well, how do I get to that next phase to that and then next phase and the next phase? Because a, a, a lot of people can get comfortable um, and they stay where they are. But how do how do people climb through those ranks and 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 make it eventually to that seven figure eight possibly eight figure business? Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to suggest is that you don't climb. Mm. Um, it it and it it's the same no matter where you are. It is first a decision, right? So when you get to six figures, you will probably you know, and I'm talking low six figures, a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand, hundred eighty thousand. You will quickly realize it's not enough. It's not enough to live your dream lifestyle, right? Why you quit your job and took on all the extra risk that's associated in having your own business. Um, and, and so you set out after you decide that you want more, you deserve more, you're worthy of more. You set out to tighten the areas of your infrastructure that are going to lead to different results. So you look at your strategy. Right. I believe that you can oops your way to six figures, but you cannot oops your way to seven. You have to be mm. very strategic. And so you're looking at all of the components that go into the strategy. Right. What is the problem that you saw? How is that problem um, packaged into a solution? What is the price point associated with that packaged solution that would make people be willing to make an investment in themselves to access it? Right. You tighten all of that. And then you need to tighten the mechanism that you use to get people to say yes to make that investment so that you have more money coming in. Sales are great, but you need revenue because you can't spend sales. So you have to master the process of getting great at sales and um, scaling up your sales, seeing a large volume of sales happen at, in a short period of time. You have to get to that. And as you're selling more, you've got to tighten your systems that you're utilizing to fulfill those sales. And then you're eventually going to need to think about having other people help you. Right. I think at the six figure mark for you to be the only person in your business ma makes sense. It's a good paying job. But if you want to get to the point where you're making multiple six or seven figures, you're going to have to duplicate yourself. You're going to actually not even duplicate yourself. You're going to have to work yourself out of a job. You're going to have to hire other people to do almost all of the things you are doing because you can't scale if you have to be in it. It's what we call bottlenecking inside of your business. Mm -hmm. And so if you are the only one in your business, your income will be limited. You want to grow your income, grow your team. And mm -hmm. how you do that, there's, you know, a whole nother set of rubrics of how you actually go through the process of bringing on team members that are going to be complementary to the bottom line and also free you up to do the part that only you can do or the, the part that you do absolutely best. It's a journey, right? I say all the time, no one goes to bed a blunder and wakes up a wonder. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. And mm -hmm. the length of your journey can be shortened by finding someone who has already created a system that has been proven to work and then work that system the mm -hmm. fastest way to get there but the journey still has to be done and all of the work has to be done at every stage in the journey but it first starts with the decision and mm -hmm. that's why when i think about our move to millions methodology we have strategy we have sales we have systems we have support in the center we have success mindset because you're mm -hmm. always going to have to continue redeciding that you are willing to show up fully for yourself you are deserving of it you you are worthy it can be yours it should be yours and there's nothing wrong with you for wanting it because we all mm -hmm. have that bad chatter based on how we were raised and the things that we took in as children that leads us to believe that there's something about us desiring more that is unethical that is not godly mm -hmm. I mean, we could go on and on about all of the ramifications of realizing that we want to have access to more and all of what that means we, we're saying about ourselves as a result of whatever our life experience is. And we have to silence all of that inner critic and we have mm -hmm. to constantly tell ourselves, edify ourselves, remind ourselves that we made it this far and we are still prime for the journey. But it is going to take all of those things consistently happening in order to get to the next step. You shorten the amount of time it takes by hiring qualified mentorship that's already been there, done that, gotten the t-shirts, seen the blind spots, can help you to avoid some of the mistakes and death traps that are surely going to find you if you try to do it on your own. Wow. I, I want to drop the mic, but I don't want to ruin the audio on, on, <laughs> the, on the podcast. That's powerful. So, like, um, 
I, I love what you just said, and 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 I heard uh, Dr. Mike Murdoch say, "There's two ways you can learn: mistakes or mentors, right?" So 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 like Danielle is saying, if you if, you know you want a mentor, she's she's a great mentor to have. You can learn more. We'll talk more about her offerings and the things that she has uh, in a moment here. Um, so Danielle, take take me through this part of because. This is a struggle I see. You, you, you hit on two things. So I want to hit on those two things as well. Um, the mindset around money, right? A lot of, especially, especially people of faith um, really struggle with money. But not just people, not just people of faith. All, a lot of people struggle with money um, for one, one reason or another. <clears throat> and then the second piece is, you know, once a person has developed their gifting, there's also an importance to, to, you know, like like you said, kind of remove themselves out of a business and then leverage p- principles of marketing so they can market themselves better. So if you could speak to those two things, like the mindset around money. And then the second piece is because as we talked about in uh, as we talk about on our show, discovering, developing, distributing, distributing is essentially marketing your gift, your product, your service to serve more people, which mm-hmm. automatically is going to produce more money. So if you can speak to those two aspects. Um, yeah, it's, I I mean, I I love talking about money. (laughs) I love talking about mindset and money because I, I believe that money is always expanding around us at an ever increasing rate. And if that's not your life experience, there's work that you need to do around money, right? Like money is, it's transactional energy. It only takes on the meaning that it is that you give it. And um, I think that people who struggle with money um, were raised to have problems with money. And maybe not that their parents sat them down and were like, hey, listen, you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul and you're going to live paycheck to paycheck. But the, the things that they observed, the lessons that they caught in between what was actually said, flower the way that they show up around money. Right. And and and. All of us have the potential to change what we know to be true and how we respond to money, too. Mm. But that is only going to come through an awakening and someone opening you up to a different reality. I've said for years that exposure creates expansion. Once Mm. you've been exposed to a possibility that what you thought or think to be true about money is actually not the truth then you can expand the capacity to bring in a different reality. And, um, but you know, money is always here. It never goes away. It's never going away. And until you learn how to shift the meaning that it has for you, it'll continue to be a source of contention and struggle. I think that we put too much emphasis on money and it is typically the people who don't have enough of it that have, uh, um, an unhealthy relationship or realization about it, right? Once you come into money and once you realize what money is, it ceases to hold the energy and the meaning that it used to when you didn't have enough for it. And that is ultimately what makes more of it flow. So it's a weird dichotomy about um, what happens with money. And then I think that you have to just do work. Like, I mean, I wasn't born, I wasn't born like this. I Watched my mom rob Peter to pay Paul. I watched my dad pinch a nickel and 25 cents pop out. Like I watched all of that. I internalized all of that. I heard them talk about rich people and how evil they were. And I had, as a result, my own thoughts about what that all meant. And then I became an adult and I realized that most of that was not the truth. Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, um, the environments that you're in, are going to flower the beliefs that you hold. And when I got into different environments, I realized that everything that I thought I knew about money wasn't the truth. And it opened up an opportunity before, for me to become financially literate. And when I learned what money really was, I could change the way that I looked at it. And as a result of changing the way that I looked at it, I could change how many of, how much more of it I had. Um, but it, it, as with anything else, David, it's a journey. It's, it's work. It's a reckoning because it goes against everything you were taught as a child. Yeah. Right. I mean, most of us. And and when I say us, I just mean humans as a collective are taught that you have to work hard for it. Now, I get what our parents meant. Right. They wanted to teach us that um, our the way that we saw money or the way that we experienced money was based on our ability to output to receive it. I get it. 
but you actually don't have to work hard to have money. Money is an alignment thing because it's an energy, right? And if it wasn't a thing that was important, it wouldn't be talked about as much as it is. I always like to point to the Bible here. 2,300 times money, wealth, and possessions is mentioned in the Bible. More than God talking about heaven or hell. He talks about money. Why? Because money is important. And it is something that we all need. And we need to all realize what it really is. And it is not everything, every meaning that we have given it that makes us have less of it. That's not what money is. But until we realize that it's like um, it's like the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy realizes she's been in her backyard the whole time. Until we realize that we've had the power to change the way we see money all along, we won't be able to change the way we see money. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. I love that. And, and could you speak to the marketing side, right? Because I think marketing and money kind of go hand in hand. Like, like you've you've got to. You you've got to you've got to market your your product or service because that shows that you believe in your product or service. And if you're not marketing or essentially and what whatever type of marketing one is doing, um, that actually shows a, a lack of belief in in one's product or service. So if you and, you and I know you're a marketing guru, marketing genius. So if you mm-hmm. just give our listeners any um, thoughts that they need to have, maybe mindsets they need to change around when it comes to marketing their gifts and services, products and services. Yeah. So for me, marketing, the way that I define marketing is this. If you if you have a message that you need to get to a group of people who have the problem that you solve that are ready to make an investment in the solution to solve that problem, one that they've been unsuccessful at solving on their own marketing is how you do it. There's more than 50 ways you could be marketing. And believe it or not, marketing doesn't cost money. Marketing costs time. Advertising costs money. And so you actually don't have to expend any money to market. Mm. Just let me let that breathe for a second. Okay, now, sure. if you want to accelerate how quickly your message gets to the people you intend for it to reach, then yes, you can put money on it and that'll get the message to them faster. Um, but I think that if you solve a problem and you don't tell people about it, you aren't a business person. Right. Mm. So marketing is the way that we tell people about it. And then money, it multiplies when we are constantly in the state of um, opening up a normalization about what money is. And so for me, I think that they go hand in hand. Um, and they're, neither of them are anything that you need to be afraid of. Mm. That's good. That's good. You gave us uh, a deep <laughs> understanding on that. Like, I love your definition. I'm going to go play that back and listen to that over again and over again. Awesome. So, so Daniel, could you talk to us about um, in, over the overall umbrella, umbrella, incredible one enterprises, but mm-hmm. also move to millions and, and, and some of the work you do and how um, listeners that may be hearing this could be a good candidate or learn more about the services and the products that you have. Sure. So our company is Incredible One Enterprises. um, And even when we did our rebrand in 2021, I was very clear that our company name wasn't to change our focus and what we do with our clients, helping them to get on the trajectory to millions um, is what we rebranded to. Right. Prior to that, our our focus was really just on helping people grow their businesses. Um, And now our focus is really on legacy and legacy creation, financial legacy creation through the um, exploitation of entrepreneurship, through Mm -hmm. understanding that entrepreneurship is what I believe the vehicle that God created for us to experience wealth. And so inside of our work, we work with clients that have gotten to the six-figure mark and have realized that it's not enough. It's not enough to create financial legacy Right. So that they can leave the planet better than they found it. And in order to put themselves on a, in a position to leave a financial le- legacy, they need to take some sta- steps inside of their business's infrastructure in order to do so. They themselves need to become better versions of themselves. They need to embody wealth and abundance and alignment and those things that make a difference. And so we are what I like to call the convergence of spiritual principles and business growth strategy. And the result of that is making millions, moving millions and leaving millions mm. um, so that you can be the change that you truly want to see. I do believe that 
millions are your birthright. I believe that if you didn't come from millions, millions should come from you. And I believe that in order for you to access your birthright, you need only move. And that means you need to be given the methodical approach to taking different actions consistently that make the ultimate result predictable. And that is at or beyond the million dollar mark. Woo. Fire. Fire. <laughs> so so how can... um. You know, someone get in contact with you. They want to learn more about that and making that move to millions. Yeah. Incredible one enterprises dot com is our company website um, on Instagram. Um, and well, actually, on all social media, I am at Darnell Jervy Harmon. So you can find me and connect with us. Beautiful. So, Darnell, I want to respect your time. We always ask this one last question to every uh, guest and, and you weren't prepped. Nobody ever knows what the, this question is. Um, but I have a feeling you're going to have a fire answer. Um, so the question is, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? Mm. One's gift and one's purpose. Yeah. Your purpose is not for you. It's for your creator and your gift is for others. Mm. Wow. Clear and to the point. Can you give us a little color on that? Like yeah, I get, like, I, makes like sense. all of us, our purpose, we were all sent here to, um, to give to give our creator God the glory and to help other people like that's everybody's purpose mm. now what that helping other people looks like is different per person but that's why we're all here we're all here to continue to allow this planet to multiply and replicate and make generation after generation better 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 so whether we're talking about Apple whose purpose is to help other people through the personification or the use of um, computers and technology and all of that kind of stuff. Or we're talking about Walmart, whose purpose is to help other people live better through the access, the ease and access to all of the goods and services that they need in order to do so. Like it's, we're all here to help people mm. and we all have the same purpose. We wow. all have different gifts because there are multiple ways to help other people. And so what is unique to you is the gift that you've been given and how you use that gift to help other people. Um, or and that's my perspective on it. We have it. both, but we all have the same purpose. Wow. Beautifully stated. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Wow. Uh, listeners, you were blessed. I know I was blessed. So uh, thank you so much, Danielle, for, for pouring your wisdom uh, and time into our listeners. And uh, we look forward to sharing all the information you shared in our show notes so people can, can plug in, get connected with you. Uh, thank you again for being You're on the so show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Take care. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Live Podcast Network.